0: Welcome back to another episode of Being at Work. I'm your host, Andrea Butcher, and this episode represents the heart of this show. It is why we launched this podcast and named it Being at Work. You'll hear the emotion in my voice throughout the conversation. Today's guest has an unimaginable story of navigating loss, the death of employees in the workplace. I'm so grateful for her vulnerability and openness on this tough topic, as so many are experiencing loss right now, and over the last couple of years, and leaders are struggling with how to lead through it, as there certainly is no playbook for leading through loss. Laurie Shakur is the VP, head of HR at Rakuten B two B. But what you really need to know about Lori is how she's reimagining with compassion and empathy. Listen in as we talk about the importance of mental health and well-being, and the best kinds of four-letter words. My greatest takeaway is a question that Lori asks, was there something I could have done if I wasn't being so corporate? Check it out.
1: I think I've got the unusual experience of having had, within a relatively short period of time, I'll define it as five years where I've lost three direct reports in the workplace. But the story really begins a year before that, where I had two personal losses. And I bring that up, Andrea, because when I think about my responsibility as a leader, and you discussed this in one of your prior podcasts, energetically responsible. Mm. I had suffered two losses, and I don't think I was energetically responsible in owning my own personal healing, taking the time to mourn and heal. And so my journey began with recognizing, and this in full transparency is in a look back. The first time I lost an employee, it was at a time when HR and leadership, we really didn't view leaning in from a mental health and wellness perspective, anything that we did. So if you can imagine, in 2017, we didn't talk a lot about mental health and the need to having that at the utmost and top of mind. And so I humbly reflect back and recognize that when this employee, and I can share, they heard of themselves. And that's why I bring in the mental health.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: At that time, I was still healing from my prior losses. And because we didn't talk about symptoms and signs, I own and recognize I had a lot of guilt around that loss. It haunted me for quite some time. And I asked myself, what did I miss? What did I ignore? What didn't I see? What didn't I feel? Why didn't I allow myself to lean in and at least acknowledge that that particular employee may have been having a tough time because there were symptoms and signs? Hmm. And I really held myself accountable because if I And really true to myself, mental health and mental illness is something that I've lived with all my life. Mm -hmm. My mother suffered from depression and anxiety. My brother was schizophrenic and paranoid. My dad was a hoarder. And I've suffered from bouts of depression. And so when I look back on that first loss, there were so many signs that because, I don't know, at that time I was being a leader and not wanting to intrude, I didn't step in. You are a human resources leader. And
0: how has that role impacted the way in which you've
1: approached mental health in the workplace? Sadly, the story continues. I had a second loss less than a year later, and I had an opportunity to lean in more. So the second time, I was able to build a practice with my team where I would talk about mental health and well-being but Andrew, I didn't model the behaviors and didn't do anything more than talk about it. So by that, I mean, I didn't take necessary vacations. I think I went maybe a year and a half without taking any meaningful time off. I hadn't really resolved and dealt with the prior loss, again, going back to energetically being responsible for myself. And so the second time it happened, while I was talking it, I wasn't walking the walk. Mm. And so my leadership was... Halfway there. (laughs) I've since grown and I've grown immeasurably. And the way I define it is, tragically, I had a third loss last year. And the difference in experiencing that in the first two was that I had an established practice of checking in with my employees. And I think so many leaders have since 2020. We've pivoted and we recognize that Because many of us are working and living in the same space, that there's no longer these walls and these barriers between work and life, and it's all just life, and we lean in. And so I began and have continued a practice of just checking in, as well as modeling the behaviors. And so for myself, I practice meditation and yoga and walking and mindfulness, and I've introduced that to my team. What impact has
0: that had on you? Because you are stressing the importance of modeling it. And I appreciate what you said earlier about my leadership was halfway there. (laughs) Now you are
1: practicing the things you espouse. What impact has that had on your leadership? Well, I can go by the feedback that I'm receiving. And I've got at least one individual that's been on this journey with me the entire time. And she's recently shared that she sees, despite all the challenges, and there's so many now, given everything, what leaders are dealing with. I've been given feedback that I'm showing up stronger, much more confident. And I can tell you from a personal reflection, I feel much more capable. When I take the time to be mindful, when I take the time to take the necessary breaks that I need to just reset, I love the Thrive model and method of micro steps and just taking tiny steps. And I've got a number of them that I'm taking each and every day as I build. I feel much more confident in my practice and I'm encouraging everyone to find their right place and space with that. And I've modeled it so much that when the third loss came, and these are always so painful, I didn't have the same level of regret and I didn't wish that I'd done anything different. Because not only had I focused with my entire team and not just that employee on the importance of well-being, and modeling it by taking the necessary breaks and vacations. But I encourage that this employee do so. And this employee actually took a vacation with their family. And it was the last wonderful experience because they passed away unplanned three weeks later. And so I'm leaning in with my leadership and I joke with my team. And I say that I use a lot of four-letter words now. (laughs) Love, care, hope, kind, And I never did that before. I give myself permission to bring more of myself to every interaction. And I've taken it on as a leader. And I say that if we're going to lead, we need to also love. And especially as HR leaders, I think we're no different than any caregiver. I would imagine it's almost impossible to help and heal if you don't love. And so I'm challenging my leaders and my team To lean in more and feel comfortable and confident that they demonstrate their way of showing that they care. Hmm. I call it love because those are my words, but at a minimum, I ask and I challenge my leaders and my team to care and to demonstrate it and to articulate it and to measure it and to hold themselves accountable that they do it over and over again. It's not once a year, it's not once a month. It's with each interaction that we can build that level of compassion, and kindness into how we work with each other. That's how I've changed most. And unfortunately, it's been through the losses. You've
0: developed this compassion, this understanding, and you
1: have changed as a result as well. Absolutely. I don't view things in the same way. We've all reached this point with so much going on in the world. We can't take anything for granted anymore. We just can't while every interaction isn't perfect, I strive to leave everyone feeling better than when they began. And some difficult conversations, that's really impossible, but we can strive for it. Mm. And so I can share one tangible way. I'm trying to get away from in the discussion of underperformance. Let's stop firing people. I know that's radical because we're HR professionals and that's a big aspect of what we do. But because I'm introducing this new level of compassion and empathy. I'm asking that instead we ask, could we have a compassionate conversation that says, you know, it looks like based on feedback and observation that it's not working out. What are you thinking? Do you think maybe it's time to move on? And just having that mature conversation versus traumatically or tragically telling someone today's your last day. Now I'm still prototyping this because it requires a lot of coaching and sensitivity, and we want to be mindful that we don't want to break any laws and make people feel as though they're not valued in the workplace. But that's one way that I'm thinking we can change existing processes to bring much more compassion in. I introduced the concept of compassion pay at the beginning of COVID for underperformers. Early on, we recognized that we would still have to manage the business and Sometimes that means people are not performing, but instead of exiting them like we would normally, I introduce just a nominal compassion pay so that there could be a softer landing as we exit. And the feedback that we receive from both employees and managers around the compassion pay concept has been overwhelming in a positive way.
0: Softer landing in the exit. Oh, that is such a great way to describe it. And it's also, it's mature. It's just, it's honest maturity. I mean, these these are the things of successful relationships. So why aren't we bringing
1: them into the workplace more so? Well, I can only guess, but I'm sure there's some data scientists or some PhD who's backing this up with data, but my instincts tell me that there's still this fear, despite everything we've gone through as humans in the last couple of years, of overstepping, breaking a law, breaking a rule, and we're still not fully allowing ourselves to acknowledge that we're all human going through this experience together, that we all desire the same things. So we've still got this separation between I'm a leader and I can't say everything I want to say because, and I'll let an individual leader fill that in for themselves.
0: Yeah. Well, you've really, I mean, you've answered that initial question, right, that I started with. I asked, how does your being a human resources leader for a large global organization, how does it impact? And gosh, I can see how you're really challenging a lot of the traditional HR practices of, really leading with a risk aversion versus leading with love. That's the difference I'm hearing in what you're saying. Just letting compassion and honesty and creating a softer landing point for people, letting that lead your choices rather than concern about whether or not you could be potentially breaking a law.
1: I agree, Andrea. And what I've found on this journey is I sleep better. And I know that sounds so crazy, but we talked about micro steps and well-being. I sleep better knowing that I'm leading with love. I sleep better knowing that I'm driving my team to be compassionate, empathetic HR caregivers. I literally call them my global warriors of caregivers. But we didn't get an operating manual. And it's funny because no one does, right? But The exception is there are other practical steps that other disciplines have that HR still hasn't embedded in. Hmm. And so the compassion and empathy, we don't even talk about that as a major discipline. What's wonderful is there's coursework and a number of studies that are demonstrating that compassion and empathy and two very different things are so critical and necessary for the leader of today and tomorrow. And as HR practitioners, we should really be recognizing that and becoming experts at it.
0: And modeling it just as you're doing. You've talked a lot about modeling. Yes, like being the example in our organizations of that. And we're in such a good position to do that, given our people focus.
1: Yes, it's what we should be doing.
0: Yes, it really is caring for the human resources. You know, it's bringing up a lot of emotion just listening to you because it is at the heart of the show. You know, we, we titled this podcast Being at Work because we recognize that in every single organization or Workplace, there are these human beings that have fears and worries and cares and things that they're really excited about. And what if we spent more time talking about how we're being? at work. We brought those things to life. Your humanity is showing just like everyone else's. I think that there's still fear
1: because it is work and there are metrics and there's still this fear of being too vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So I'll let Brene Brown write another <laughs> book on that because she's a resident yeah. expert, as we all know, on vulnerability but there's still this perception and view that vulnerability is weakness. Mm-hmm. But I'm of the belief that since I've owned three losses and since I've owned that that first one, I could barely get out of bed for a week. I happened to be on vacation when I was notified. And my wonderful leader then had to carry me over the finish. The second time I hobbled, but nonetheless, I hobbled. But the third time. I was able to apply my own level of resilience by knowing I did the right thing. And that's where if we take the step of vulnerability and just acknowledge that everyone wants the same thing, it's to be seen and heard. Mm -hmm. If we think differently, if we feel differently, if we do differently, we'll have different outcomes. But this is a big transformation. And there's so many competing demands, and we're still looking at trying to get back to, and every time I hear this, it's absurd. We're never going to get back to what we had, so we need to just look forward and redefine what that is. Yeah. I love the Disney phrase, reimagining. Mm -hmm. We need to truly reimagine, and I'm hopeful that I'm a part of a team of courageous leaders that want to reimagine with compassion and empathy. Oh, that's beautiful. The compassion and empathy should be at the foundation of solid strategic thinking, sound decision-making, and great communication. So if we just consider still the key or some of the key business drivers, but just add a layer of compassion and empathy, I think we'll go much further
0: it rounds out, right? It rounds out the people component. It integrates the being that is a part of our workplaces. That's what you're doing. You're integrating that. It's the shock factor of like, we're letting you go today. You know, there's no compassion in that. Why not have a vulnerable, tough conversation about, Hey, this isn't working. Let's talk about
1: that. Like that's the courageous thing to do. But again, it's, you bring out a good word, courage. Mm-hmm. And we've got processes and systems that remove the requirement to be courageous. Yeah. We've got so many HR processes and systems that remove the people aspect. Yeah. I think back when we've been in HR a long time, we always focused on getting a seat at the table. And often we got that seat because of our ability to describe business justification and analytics when now I think the opportunity is to get the seat at the table to bring the humanity back into the workplace. Mm -hmm. That should be our seat at the table.
0: Yeah, we're in such a good position to do that, given the visibility we have into what's happening with people in our organizations. Let's leverage that. I want to go back to, I, I was just listening to you recap the losses and the journey and your leadership through each of those. And I just felt so much grace for you in that first loss. Lori, I just can't imagine how awful that must have been. And you're being quite hard on yourself about how you describe your leadership there. And there is no playbook. You didn't know what to do
1: in that situation. I didn't, but then I did. So I've always been a connector, but I would silence that part of me because I was always told to have more executive presence. I was always encouraged to be a little tougher. I remember in my earlier stages, you smiled too much with some of the feedback that I received. And so I own that I know there was a part of me that saw an individual struggling, mm. but I didn't know how to connect. We've all had situations and scenarios where we work with people and it's an organic and natural connection. hmm And I just look back and think that was there something I could have done if I wasn't being so corporate and so professional? And could I have invited that individual out for lunch and said something that sounds a lot like what I would say today is I see you struggling. And can we talk about how the organization or myself or the team can support you? And I do that now. Throughout the pandemic, when my team has heard of someone struggling, I've raised my hand and I've said, let me talk to them. One by one, whenever individuals have been so vulnerable and open enough to share with me their challenges, I've talked to them and shared with them mine. I've talked to people about loss. I've talked to individuals about divorce. I've talked to individuals about being adopted and feeling alone. I've talked to individuals about financial struggles and strength, single parenting. It's pretty funny. I've got a Long list of life experiences here. Uh, and I do just what this is. I make them laugh. And, and then I encourage them to get the right support through Modern Health and Thrive and other support systems, either through their faith-based systems and family. I've taken that on because for some unknown reason, I believe that this is my journey. I believe that I've had, i describe it a bumpy path. I believe that I've had this bumpy path so that someone else can know that they can get through it. Mm -hmm. Someone else knows that if they have a loss, they can love the person through it. They can love the family and the individuals through it. Mm -hmm. I still get pinged by individuals and relatives that knew those last two individuals that I lost. And they just want me to know how they're doing. Oh, wow. And that means so much
0: to me. Yeah, you clearly connected with them and made a difference. And that's so important. And that's
1: what we should be doing. Mm -hmm. We spend more time with our colleagues and coworkers than we do our families. Mm -hmm. It's just a given.
0: Yeah, the question you asked, I have to repeat this question because this is so good. This is such an important soundbite. Was there something I could have done if I wasn't being so corporate?
1: that question haunts me. Mm -hmm. But not anymore.
0: I'm just really struck by your, your introspection through all of this and how clearly you've articulated your lessons learned through this and how you are using the things that you've learned through this to be a better leader and to model the way for
1: others. Thank you for that, Andrea. It hasn't been easy. 2020 was like so many people, and I know I'm not unique to this, such a tragically heartbreaking year for me. And I share that because I'd always meditated, but did I really? I'd been practicing yoga for years, but did I really? In hindsight, I did it, but I didn't allow myself to get enough rest. I traveled too much. I worked too hard. My kids always told me, mommy, mommy, you don't take enough time for yourself. So everyone around me saw this yogi meditating, but still working too hard. And 2020 put a heart to all of that. Mm. And so I had to look in the mirror and truly slow down. So I reintroduced journaling. I reintroduced mindful practices that I hadn't leveraged in years because I was so busy. I talked about them, encouraged them, but I didn't. And equally important... I got therapy. I went on Modern Health and signed up and got connected with the most amazing practitioner whom I continue and now have a friendship with today. But it was lots of tears, lots of crying, lots of introspection and reflection and a lot of apology. I led with apologizing to my daughters that I may not have been the best role model because I worked too hard and didn't enjoy enough. I connected with a number of friends who I hadn't connected with in a long time and also apologized to them. And I connected with family. Mm. And so for me, it was so hard, but so necessary.
0: Yeah, I mean that's doing the work, isn't it? Like that's doing the work. I, I hear so much intentionality in those examples. And it's also not just one thing. I mean there's lots of outlets. There's multiple practices. What's your system for maintaining well-being and good mental health? I mean, that's the work that each of us are doing. Just listening to you, just earlier today, I was reading something, and I literally wrote this down on a Post-it note. Healing is not about being happy. It's about being awake. Healing is about being broken and whole
1: at the same time.
0: Isn't that so good?
1: That is so powerful, and I feel that way most days. Yes,
0: broken and whole at the same time. It's so funny. Like you've heard me, I have been teary throughout this entire conversation. <laughs> I'm just so grateful for this message. You know, it's just so real. There have been so many times in corporate, or in my corporate world, where I thought, like, what are we doing? What is this pretense and this bullshit? And I'm just so grateful for your honest authenticity about particularly and I keep saying it you know you lead human resources for a large organization you have a ton of credibility so I'm just so grateful for your story and for this reminder like this is such such an important message So many people have dealt with loss and we got to talk about it. We need each other. We need to like sit in the awfulness of that
1: with each other. Andrea, thank you so much for your kind words. And that's why I agreed to share my story. This is the first time I've ever shared it. And I am so grateful for this format because you're absolutely correct. What I've shared is such... A part of each and every one of our lives, but we don't talk about it. And for years, I've been ashamed. I literally left the organization where the two happened in such a short period of time because I couldn't breathe anymore. I Mm -hmm. couldn't see my way to healing there. I literally had to leave without finding another role. I got blessed and found something quickly. But at the point when I resigned. The only thing I knew was that I had to get out because I was suffocating Hmm. because I couldn't talk about it. Yeah. There was no way other than through therapy could I really get the healing I needed. And I knew that the healing should have happened with the other people in the workplace that experienced it with me. But at that time, that was taboo, but no longer. And we were able to, as a team, collectively, Attend the celebration of life for the last employee. And I was so proud that as a collective group, we were able to tell that employee's family and friends that that employee was loved and that that employee knew that they were loved.
0: Mm,
1: so good. And I know not many people have had that wonderful opportunity, but I have. But you have. And it makes a difference.
0: Mm-hmm. It's been a huge part in shaping you and shaping your leadership.
1: Lori, thank you so much. Thank you, Andrea. This has been a pleasure.
0: Oh, my goodness. Yes. So many takeaways. You know, and I think you have titled this episode, Reimagining with Compassion and Empathy. Oh, those words. So good. Thank you, my friend. I'm so, so appreciative. If our listeners want to connect with you, Lori, what's the best way to do that?
1: I'm are in. I love invitations on LinkedIn. I love connecting.
0: L-A-U-R-I-E, Shakur, S-H-A-K-U-R. Yes. Thank you, Lori. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to never miss a being at work story.